0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit jabberjawmedia.com for more shows like this one.
1: What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Pure Pleasure, and I wanted to take a quick minute to let you guys know about rockabilia.com. I know you guys know Rockabilia. You've seen those ads with all the colorful t-shirts for all those bands. I know for me, it was a big deal growing up in Alaska, back in the woods, where there was no internet, and we'd get those magazines at the store, and I would do two things. First, I would go to Rockabilia, that big, full-page, colorful ad, and find the coolest t-shirt I could find, the band that looked the most badass. Then I would go to the page in... And I would look at BMG for the five or ten CDs for a penny. And I would go through and try to find those bands, make that connection, and order those records. And a lot of those bands ended up changing my entire life. Now, before the internet, you could always go on and look in those magazines and see those shirts. But now it's all online, Rockabilia.com. Great rates on shipping, the same great merchandise, the same amazing bands. And it's a lot easier to go check those bands out. For me, it was partially discovery and partially, you know, just becoming a teenager, becoming an adult, going through and finding those bands. So, one hilarious story for Rockabilia was I got my first white zombie t shirt through Rockabilia. It was the black and white t shirt with the band on it. All my friends started making fun of me for wearing that shirt because they were getting into punk rock and I was still into metal. Now, I never got out of metal, but Rockabilia was there after the, the hazing got too much, and I went and ordered my first Green Day shirt from Rockabilia, which in turn started off my entire musical career going from playing Green Day covers back in the trailer in Alaska in the woods to the stages of the world playing with Anatomy of a Ghost and Portugal the Man and Rockabilia had a big part in that. I know it will for you as well. I know it still does. It's nostalgic, but at the same time, they've been keeping up with the times online. Rockabilia.com. Check them out now and have your own discovery. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we have a huge guest for you, Patty Schemmel from the band Hole. I know a lot of you guys had that record, Live Through This. That was just a massive, massive record when I was growing up and really turned the tables on me as far as music and women in music and a lot of discovery there for me. And I used to have, I mean, I told her on the episode, I used to have that Rolling Stone magazine cover with hole, uh, on my wall in my bedroom. And, uh, you know, it was just such a ferocious, ferocious record. And Patty is a force behind the kit. She is a force behind the pen. She is now an author Uh, pen the book Hit So Hard, which is also a documentary as well. Um, I know some of it's available on YouTube, but I believe you can purchase it. But you need to pick up this book. Uh, It's called Hit So Hard. It is her memoir. It is brutal. It is brutally honest. And I think it's good for everyone to to check this book out and, and really see what Patty went through and it was just a fascinating story and a fascinating woman and a, just a really inspirational person. And I had just a blast chatting with her. The people at Powell's Books were very gracious uh, and Lissa over at DeCapo Press for hooking us up together, uh, getting us a room uh, at, the, at Powell's Books and having a nice quiet spot to chat, getting to talk about so many things that were you know, a big deal to me, uh, growing up, and then as well her story, going from the stages of the world, playing massive events like Lollapalooza, to losing everything, uh, living on the streets. You know, it's just a just a uh, an awful, awful spiral that she came out of on the other side, and is doing so well. She's a mother now, um, doing fantastic, and and just so. Happy that story had a happy ending, and Patty's just a great person and it was a wonderful guest. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode um, as much as I did, you know, uh, doing the interview. So, uh, let's get some business out of the way. We are at purepleasurepodcast.com, we are on Instagram, we are on Twitter, we're on Facebook, everywhere podcasts are available. And I know you heard the beginning of the episode rockabilia.com, a new sponsor for the show. We now have a coupon code it is PC, peer Pleasure. And that gets you fifteen percent off your order at rockabilia.com. Go pick up that last minute Christmas gift. Uh, you know, if you're if you're shopping in advance, uh, you know, good on you for that. And uh, hit over there to uh, rockabilia.com. Check out that coupon code PC, as in podcast PC Peer Pleasure, for fifteen percent off your order. Um, definitely check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash peer, pleasure podcast, uh, and definitely sign up there. There's tons of merch and great content for you and something for everyone over there. So hit up that Patreon, the peer pleasure podcast, Patreon, the pleasure seekers club, go join today. And I want to get into this episode cause I want to get everything on Adobe and I don't want to ramble on too much. But Patty was absolutely fantastic. I think you guys are going to love this episode. Check out rockabilia.com. And without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Patty Schemmel from Hole. All right, Patty Schimmel from Hole.
0: Yes, hi. On the
1: podcast, Pure Pleasure Podcast. We are at the beautiful Powell's Books in downtown Portland. Yeah. A nice cozy office. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Um, So the new book, Hit So Hard, uh, came out on Halloween. Yeah. And uh, you're here doing a signing tonight. So very, very cool experience. Um, So I wanted to start basically at the beginning Mm-hmm. Um, you grew up in Washington State, right?
2: Yeah, in Marysville, which Marysville. is up north, kind of like halfway between maybe sa- Seattle and Vancouver,
1: okay, Canada.
2: So up okay. there.
1: Yeah, I have family in Renton yeah. and Redmond. So I've been up in that area, but not up that far. But Right. But, uh, so what was your family life like growing up as far as, yeah. I mean, mom, dad?
2: Yeah, my, my parents moved out um, to... Washington state from Brooklyn, New York. Okay. So that's crazy. Just in the sixties, you know, and completely the farthest possible place they could go is, you know, from New York to Washington state. Yeah. And they, they were both, uh, recovering alcoholics.
0: Okay. And
2: that's how, um, so, you know, my, the first sentence in, in the book is, you know, I was born recovering mm-hmm. because, um, that was sort of the language in my house was, um, you know, we, 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 everything, um, was based around, um, you know, my, my family's sort of, uh, recovery and that, uh, you know, like the 12 steps was sort of our guide to life, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) And, and so I knew where to go if I ever, you know, had a problem, but my thing was, I'm not like them. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I was not like my parents. I would probably be able to have a drink and not, you know, lose you know, my life through that. And that's yeah. how I thought it would be, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and so, you know, and I, I grew up and, in, and in, um, uh, when I started playing drums, that kind of gave me sort of my reason to be part of the world. As soon as I was interested in playing drums and mm-hmm. playing and interested in music, that gave me like my, my, my life's work. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. Sure. You know? um, and then when I turned 12, that was when I had my first drink. And that was, you know, I was curious about it. And that yeah. was um, sort of, for me, it was just like playing drums. It mm-hmm. made me feel like, because I had always felt awkward and weird. And then I was gay mm-hmm. and freaked out about that. And different never felt like in my body all the way, like mm-hmm. secure. And um, and drums made me gave me some connection. And then alcohol gave me that sort of that like oh that sigh of relief, like mm-hmm. okay, all right, now I feel like part of the world. Okay. And so from there, it was the you know chase to to get to stay in that state, you mm-hmm. know. Okay. Yeah.
1: So so you discovered music and drumming right before discovering, well, not discovering alcohol, but trying. Yeah. Alcohol. Yeah. So you got you got some some musical socialization before you had the release of, of alcohol. But yeah, twelve years old. That is so. I mean, and and I think the first time I ever tried alcohol was probably. 13 or 14. So not far off from that, but 12. I mean, (laughs) that's crazy. I mean, to think about, you know, nowadays, especially. Yeah. Well, it was,
2: you know, it was my, I write about that experience. It was my older sister Uh and, you know, she and her boyfriend had some Bacardi in the house, you know, it was like that. And, um, and yeah, so that was sort of my first introduction to, to drinking. And, Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, and then also um, just getting into music and playing in bands, you know, mm-hmm. I started to, I found um, punk rock, which brought me to Seattle and then it brought me to other people that I felt connected to because there were more women playing drums mm-hmm. or um, I mean, well, in playing music yeah. at least in bands. And so um, I felt like I'd found my people yeah in punk rock you know
1: man did you find out early on that alcohol and drums maybe didn't go well together (laughs)
2: yes
1: (laughs) see (laughs) before before all the success yeah yeah
2: yeah Um, I mean like playing house parties when I was a kid Uh I would just um that was that began like because I knew how what kind of player I was and then when I had one drink I, I could tell how hard it was to execute what i wanted to do you know Mm -hmm. especially if i was playing punk rock which is uh, you know very you know it's fast
1: yeah exactly (laughs) so
2: (laughs) so then you know then it would became like this sort of chemistry experiment of trying to find out what can i take to you know add to the alcohol and you know Mm. then it's on in that search of like combining things and yeah yeah.
1: Becoming a, a, a like a backroom pharmacist, kind exactly. of or like yeah. a totally. <laughs> low budget pharmacist, right?
2: yeah. Man, so Amateur.
1: yeah. So and you started, so you started playing in bands like pretty soon after playing drums, right? Or how yeah. long how long was it before you yeah. started
2: playing? Yeah, um, you know, like when I was fifteen, fourteen, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I started out my I started taking lessons, and like I was in school band and jazz okay. band and stuff, mm-hmm. and my my teacher was really he was a jazzer and he would, you know, teach me this jazz stuff. And then mm-hmm. I would kind of like, ah, you know, I'll learn it, but I, I don't, it's not, I'm not connecting with it. And now I look back on it and, um, it, it like I love playing jazz now,
1: because uh-huh. <laughs> I'm <laughs> cause I'm old. I think
2: it's like such a craft, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It, it, it sometimes takes a j- life's journey to find that, <laughs> you know. know.
2: Discover jazz. Exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: when you look back on all of it, what did you discover? I like jazz. jazz. Yeah, <laughs> it's just all roads led to jazz, and now yeah. Yeah. So I mean, playing in local bands and and things like that around the area, mm-hmm. and then. Um, Everything kind of changed. I, well, I guess it didn't maybe necessarily change right away. Yeah. But the Melvin show you talk about, yeah. it, you met Kurt. Yeah. Uh, I've had buzz on the show and I had no idea the reach that man has as far as putting people together. Right. That changed the world. I know. Yeah. Uh,
2: he he introduced Dave Grohl, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's like, hey, I, this band screams pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Let's yeah. Check out Dave. Try
2: this guy. Yeah. yeah.
1: So uh, you see the Melvins. You meet Kurt. Buzz introduces you to Kurt, or did you just Uh, meet Kurt there? Well, no, it was just Kurt was there. Okay,
2: and everybody was just kind of at this show, Mm -hmm. and um, it wasn't significant in any way, really. Just because it was, but it was significant to me because um, my band, my punk rock band, was playing a show with the Melvins. Yeah, and I love the Melvins, so um, and it really wasn't until. I started playing in more bands, and um, that in Seattle. Then I, you know, my band would play a show with Nirvana, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how we got to know each other.
1: Okay, and so you guys got close enough. um, It was talking about you got you actually lived with with Kurt and Courtney, right? During during all this craziness, when the
2: um, when when Courtney needed a drummer for her Mm -hmm. band mentioned me and so then um that's how i got into hole and it was yeah it was pretty much right when ne- nevermind came out and then yeah. it was crazy you know yeah and um so they had this apartment in la and we were just starting to like get our songs together and mm-hmm. try to get a solid bass player and so that's why i lived there yeah you know it was, we're playing music so there were a lot of nights where we would like just get together and go play you know music together Mm -hmm. or you know me and Courtney would play or you know
1: yeah just a creative space yeah
2: and we kind of have similar like Kurt and I had some similar interests as far you know like music mm -hmm. of course but also pop culture references (laughs) yeah you know like we both were brought up watching you know by the television you yeah. know so there was that connection and then courtney you know she's from portland yeah so she knew about a lot of the bands that i grew up you know local bands loving mm-hmm. and so there was you know we had those things in common
1: yeah okay yeah. and the reason i bring that up is is uh not to focus on that area but that's a big that's a big part of where your life went from that yeah. point of getting introduced to do. Yeah. To, to, and it's
2: weird that <laughs> and it was just that time was so crazy in that we were real young, you know, yeah. in our twenties in which I didn't think I was young then yeah. when I was going through it. But now I look back on it and, you know, especially in writing the book, seeing how, um, decisions create other things and events happen. Mm-hmm. is pretty cool to look at, but also, um, yeah, just the, the, no one ever thought that there, you know, we'd list, we'd hear Nirvana on the radio or, yeah. you know, anything like that. And that, that was the craziness of it. It was yeah. just, it was just that, um, it, it was, it became worldwide, mm-hmm. you know? And I still, to this day, when I'm, I'll go into the Target you know in LA <laughs> and, you know, there's a Nirvana shirt in there, oh, you know, yeah, that's. Yeah. Or, um, you know, like all the the dads at the farmer's market with their Nirvana shirts on. Uh-huh. It's, it's like, it's classic. It's like a, a Hendrix shirt yeah. or something. And that I still, a uh, part of me, like, will see it and go, oh, you know, you know like to, oh, okay. Yeah. Because and, and, I know that you like, that's sort of like those moments when a person that, you know, it's a friend that has died and you think about, you know, there's things that you see along the way, mm-hmm. um, after they're gone that make you think, you know, that, that connects you to them for a minute again, yeah. you know, and I just go, Oh, you know, like if he knew, you know, yeah. it's like that kind of stuff, <laughs> like how, how much of a, it, you know, how the reverse of the, like the whole corporation of Nirvana.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And how it's being handled and all that stuff. Yeah. And I mean, that's a, that's a big chunk of change and a lot of a lot of yes. wheels in motion still. Yeah. And, uh, and
2: not I'm not saying that it, of course, wasn't an epic moment in music. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, it's yeah. going to change, you know, everything. And it did at the time. It changed what the way we thought about, you know, the way music was supposed to be. There wasn't, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was not about groupies and you know yeah the
1: excess that had been taking over music
2: and made it okay to be gay for Mm -hmm. me I felt like okay I can say I'm you know I'm gay yeah (laughs) and um it was important and I felt safe to say it in Mm -hmm. my scene with my friends and in my band
1: sure and that has to help immensely I mean Especially struggling with with other things, other demons, and things like that, having acceptance yeah. to be who you are still probably had a, a huge impact. I mean, and and the other the other thing I wanted to touch on was when Hole really took off. It was so soon after Kurt had passed, yeah. especially for Courtney. I mean, um, how do you feel the world views? As far as how they view Kurt and that whole situation, do they have a, a, you know him very intimately, do they have an accurate representation of who he was? Or does that something that I guess you know um, and kind of hold special to yourself? Yeah. Do you think the world has an accurate portrayal of who he was? Because a lot of people say, you know, uh, you know, he was one way, he was another way, right. you know, uh, didn't like the fame love the fame. I mean, there's all things like that. Yeah. Do you feel there's a good representation there of who he was in public sci?
2: It It's hard. It's really hard for me to get any perspective on that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, um, I think, you know, he, he was that, um, he, I think he, he was really uncomfortable with that examination of his life, you mm-hmm. know, that, uh, and that, um, concerned about how people were judging them Mm -hmm. and under that, you know, magnifying glass that was difficult. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, you know, when I hear he was reluctant, he was a reluctant rock star. I I think he was okay with being a rock star, but I think he really wanted it on his terms and that was hard because it couldn't be, Mm -hmm. you know, but, um, yeah. And he, I think he's a lot, funnier than, <laughs> than people you know He's yeah. funny person yeah,
1: yeah. well the, the last thing I want to touch on with that whole thing before we jump into whole taking off is yeah when you you love someone a friend like that that the world feels they own as well yeah. like they f- I think truly think the world thinks they own Kurt Cobain right are you able to grieve properly or feel like you can you can uh you know let go or or you know when the world is so attached do you feel is there like a jealousy almost or anything like that that creeps in there i mean that's a unique experience yeah to be that close to someone that the world thinks is theirs
2: yeah it's i think about what our our friendship was mm-hmm. and i have that and mm-hmm. um and i know what that was you know for and about and yeah. and then i think about what his music did for people and, and, um, and that's, that's amazing, you know? And I, I, but it also makes me think about, it changed the way I think about when, you know, people judge other people according to, especially now with, you know, social media, Mm -hmm. when, when you see someone in the news or, you know, and then people talk about this person and they say things and then like to never like fully believe what you're reading, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, and Kurt said it never, you know, but also to see, um, that, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I think to (laughs) simplify it is more about just, um, really, you know, like people think they know, what how yeah. things were and went and are yeah and um you know they can have their ideas mm-hmm. you know but i mean i know how it was for me and sure. the way it was then so if that makes any sense sort yeah. of yeah you can still hold on <laughs> to that you can
1: still hold on to that yeah. genuinely yeah. without being influenced by or annoyed i guess by like just seeing yeah. people i mean i don't know how many people also committed suicide after that right. as like an homage or, well, that's what I'm going to do now. You know, yeah. ah, that kind of influence is absolutely outrageous. And then immediately afterwards, you're thrust into the same situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys were enormous.
2: Yeah. and um, So fast. And Kristen Pfaff, our bass player, yeah. died shortly after Kurt. And for me, Kurt's death was um, an example of, for me, um, drug addiction—that just like I, you know, yeah, I'm the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that when you don't want to get clean, everybody else is telling you to. Yeah, and you don't really see any hope there, and you don't see a way out, mm-hmm. and that's the choice. I've been there. I know how that. Yeah. You know, I felt like that too. Um. So, and then. When Kristen died, I just, you know, both of those deaths for me were just a pause. Mm -hmm. I just took pause from my drugs for a moment and then got back, you know, right back into it because in it, because that's how I use drugs and Mm -hmm. alcohol is just, you know, it's nonstop. Yeah.
1: So. And that, that's the only, that lived through this is the only record she played on, right? Yeah. Okay. So, and then you got Melissa. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so moving on from that to where things really started to happen with Hole, what was it like being in that situation where you've got a grieving widow, a grieving world, Uh and then massive success? Like it was kind of like a a zero to sixty. It seems like yeah for that. I mean, you're playing Lollapalooza. I mean, you're, probably have a ridiculous press schedule. And one thing you were talking about with the is you would get you'd go on the road and start to get clean from heroin. Yeah. How does that? work? I've had a few people on the show that say the same thing. They go on the road and get clean. Yeah, and then go back to. I mean, how is detoxing ugh. in that environment? I, I mean, no,
2: it's the ugh. it's so harsh. Like for me. Um, Well, to go back to the earlier part of your question was that when we did go out to promote the record, Mm -hmm. that tour was so difficult just because there were so many things behind it. Um, First of all, Kurt's death, then proving to the world that we're a band. Yeah. And then personally, me proving to the world that I'm a drummer because I'm a female drummer. Yeah. Um, just layers of stuff. And then dealing, you know, we, we've just pushed through everything and like, don't let those feelings catch up, you know, like yeah. can, for me continually using and then getting back to the hotel room, um, after a show and then the feelings start and then you just got to push them down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that was that whole year was like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, then the cliche that the drugs stop working, mm-hmm. you know, that, that happens yeah. <laughs> and then you're stuck and what to do. And, um, there were in the book, I really didn't want to make heroin addiction. I didn't want to romanticize it mm-hmm. at all. And it's, um, it really, you know, I'm honest about the grind of it, you know, like those yeah. moments of, you know, getting Clean and then um, relapsing and then going on tour mm-hmm. and having a kick on the road is the hardest and the loneliest. and mm-hmm. But continually doing it over and over again and then yeah. having to hide from everyone in your band, tell lies, and then end up in a city, like, you know, here you are in Philadelphia, dope sick, and you, like, get off, you're done playing the show, and then you're gonna take some cab into the, you know... The Badlands. Yeah, to take me to the worst neighborhood in yes, town. Yeah. yeah, and that's some scary shit.
1: Yeah, yeah, especially as a female. Right. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, with I no mean, fear, just one yeah.
2: one goal in mind. Whatever and, it takes. Yeah.
1: That's fascinating. I I can't imagine. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their tenth studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Colour, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the states in May and June Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and B-Well's new 7-inch now. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the Internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are gonna have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, You can use Spotify canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze, and you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid, and I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. DistroKid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. DistroKid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Step into the world of power, loyalty. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me. And having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. My, my is a recovering heroin addict. Started Mm -hmm. from a knee surgery. Pain, pain pills got too expensive. Uh. Yeah. Took out a bunch of loans, couldn't do that anymore, and then we didn't know for two years, and uh, he's he's been clean for a few years now. He's still on methadone, weaning yeah. down, but we just thought he was sleeping all the time. Like his personality changed, everything changed, but it seems like nowadays that stuff is so prevalent. Yes, I mean, everywhere. it's that easy, and everyone's got
2: it's such <laughs> a part of the conversation right now. Is that yeah, the opiate addiction, and what is so like heartbreaking about it is. That there are people that, like your brother, yeah. who had a knee surgery—yeah, skateboarding accident when he was sixteen—hijacked their life, you know, mm-hmm. and through pain meds, and then they're stuck. Yeah, in that. Yep. Um, I found heroin because I was drunk. You know, it was yeah. like oh, it was just the next thing to make me feel okay. Yeah. You
1: know? Did you shoot the first time you used it? Yeah. Oh my God! Okay, because he's he he never he smoked it. Yeah, we I kept did that. finding this tinfoil all over the place. Yeah, tough. yeah. And uh, I mean, that first is it like they say for you? That first high you never find that again. You never get that high again. You never get that moment. Yeah, and you're you just chase it.
2: You're chasing it. Yeah, that's exactly.
1: And I mean, and so so going back to to kicking on the road. I mean and i know there's a lot of there was a lot of you know uh, uh rumors and everything else going around about you know courtney and everything and, and drug use and everything being kind of prevalent it seemed like from yeah. from a, a civilian's perspective right. you know yeah um being in that environment and even having to kick on the road instead of just keep going you know what i mean yeah. it seems like a strange kind of thing and and, and you mentioned in there that that uh, courtney you know was like you need to go to yeah, I know. When, where when, every celebrity in the world would now say, "Wait a minute, who told you to go to rehab?" Know. You know,
2: people always go, "What?" Yeah, you, you mean Courtney <laughs> told you? And to I don't to- know Courtney. <laughs> I
1: don't know anything about Courtney on a personal level.
2: You know, it was it was more of a, um, I think, a concern for another death, uh-huh. and also no one can tell her what to do. Sure. You know, you can't tell her, um, "Hey." easy on the whatever yeah and so um and i was in a lot of pain and you know yeah but you know it i i it is it is strange because you know and i think it's about like nobody in the band can be messed up we just have enough room for one person to be so fucked up exactly you know
1: yeah
2: um yeah, so...
1: That's just it's outrageous. And so you're riding this wave of success. You, I mean, crazy tours, a lot going on. I mean, all at once, you're dealing with grief. I mean, and the album, ironically, lived through this. That title is... is
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, that was probably decided way before. Yes. And then it ends up turning into a situation where it's right. almost like a challenge. Like, uh-huh. yeah, let's see. You yeah, know? yeah. And uh, so going from, from that success to that record... Going in to record the second record, mm-hmm. Celebrity Skin, mm-hmm. that's when shit hit the fan. Yeah, and you talked about. I mean, brought in what? What do you call him, Johnny? 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 One take?
2: Yeah, Johnny? One take? And um, what? You know, from there was so much time between those two records, and mm-hmm. and um, I, y- there were so many moments of, um, uh, you know, I'm strung out. St- clean, strung out, clean, you know, back mm-hmm. and forth. And um, so when it was time to start getting songs together for Celebrity Skin, mm-hmm. I was just out of rehab for the, you know, what, 30-second time? Yeah, bazillion times. And, you know, I got a cassette I- I in the mail yeah. to rehab to listen to what w- they were working on. Yeah. And it was just, you know, like Courtney and Billy Corgan. Yeah. And so I get out and I, I you know, uh, two days at home and then I go into you know pre-production and I'm listening and um getting ideas and stuff and I had some you know some cool drum ideas and it was great working with Billy Corgan. Mm-hmm. I loved working with him. Yeah. And then yeah, so you know I was not in any shape to be playing drums uh, and having any kind of concentration at mm-hmm. all. So um when and and our management, we changed management. Our management was um, the big rock and roll machine management, mm-hmm. and they suggested a producer that would bring us that next step into that next, you know, arena rock mm-hmm. and you know, a polished sound. And um, so that's when Michael Beinhorn came in, and that's when you know things started to explode. Mm-hmm and everyone was saying you know he replaces drummers and so there was you know everyone was like well that's not going to happen to yeah. us yeah and of course it you know it happened it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um yeah and so you know his his special guy comes in and yeah. you know does a little tap dance and then boom gloves uh, and lights <laughs> whatever else yeah yeah <laughs> special gloves and yeah. shoes uh, um and yeah, that's punk rock, right? <laughs> that's yeah. what I was saying. I was like, wow. Ooh. Yeah. Um, but um, I can't, you know, like make a point to when I talk about that moment to not point the finger at everybody else because, yeah. I mean, of course, it, he's an asshole, but yeah. I'll, but you know, I had a part in it too. Sure. Um. So when that happened, that was like the final. You know, nail in the coffin for me. I was like, mm-hmm. uh, screw you guys. I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, and the idea was, well, you're going to go to rehab, Patty. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I stayed out of the studio and got strung out. And yeah. then they were like, Patty, time to go to rehab again. Yeah. And then you know you'll get better and go back on on the road. Yeah. <laughs> and then so I go to rehab and they kind of think uh, they wanted me to like do a rehab stint at Hazelden and then go stay in their Stober living. And I was mm-hmm. my thing was I'm just gonna get clean to get everybody off my back. Yeah. And that was my story. Yeah. And then um, so I do my 30 days. I come home and I'm like, okay, ready to go. And they're yep. already like, mm, that's not really what. You know, you're not ready, you know, so, yeah, so then I was like, "Fuck you guys, that's yeah. when to start, yeah, fuck you I'll show you guys, <laughs> yeah, yeah, double fuck you, yeah, <laughs> oh. screaming like the this. Ultimate but figure. then like totally <laughs> like, like, what now, yeah, and that my band and playing drums in my band was everything. Mm-hmm. I had nothing besides that, and um. So when I, when that was done, mm-hmm. you know, I had a little bit of money and I just, you know, I went off to cocaine yeah. and, and heroin Island yeah. and stayed there. Heroin Island. <laughs> yeah.
1: So when you say you had a little bit of money, you had, was this a settlement yes. or was this money from, yeah, cause so you weren't making anything no. from live through this. No. <laughs> no. That, that is so and fucking crazy. I made crazy. some money
2: from the Lollapalooza tour. Yeah. Um, and I think I have those exact amounts in the book.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: but uh, you know, it's surprising when I was like tr- going through all all the old papers, mm-hmm. like just trying to like mull through stuff with my co-writer Aaron, and she yeah. was like, "Wow, really? That's yeah. it?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I guess so." I mean, I really didn't care yeah. at the time, and now, yeah. So, so there was, you know, I I said, "Well, then I'm gonna." Ask for a certain, you know, like I'm gonna ask for a million dollars.
0: Yeah,
1: and the, you know, and that was not even half. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like buying a car. I know,
2: and that, <laughs> not even like just like a mere pittance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got. And that's what I, you know, thank God it wasn't more than what I got because yeah. I, I'm sure I would have died. Yeah. So, you know, that was gone in like six months. Six months, Christ. and then I was. Then it was to the street. Yeah, you know. And it, oh my god. Um. So yeah, and and because I just couldn't fathom the pain of, you know, well, I like, actually I failed and I have fucked up. Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. You just. I mean, it seems like, and you've got some fucking crazy stories in this, but I. Yeah. I Uh, got the book. Right before it came out, Uh Lissa had sent it to me. Yeah, and I started going through it, and I there was moments I almost teared up. Like it was, it was so honest. And and my listenership will definitely check this book out. But it's just insane the stories and the the amount of honesty you put into this book. I mean, it had to be an emotional experience putting this book out. Yeah, because I mean, there's stuff in there that was like hair stands up kind Uh of stuff, you know, and. And uh, you know, but that that uh, the story in there about the the going to steal stuff from uh, I think Alice was the name, yeah. And finding the plane tickets and then like right. holy shit, I just bought someone else's plane tickets and right. all this shit, and just this yeah.
2: it
1: seems like betrayal after betrayal and and uh, you know things just compounding and compounding and and uh, you know money's just you know flying out the door. Yeah, I mean it's just it's crazy to me. And you know,
2: I think because. That was my my goal in my lifestyle. It was so bad, you mm-hmm. know, and that was, you know, they say lower companions and that's yeah. that's the kind of person I was hanging out with, something that would steal and, you know. Yeah. And I was that person too. So, yeah, and so there were, um, it was hard to revisit those moments. And mm-hmm. then I thought, you know, I've said this before in, in uh, interviews for the book that, I thought I'd come a little bit farther with how I feel about all of it. And I, it's still, you know, I get triggered by, you know, when I think back and I'm talking about some stuff, I still feel it still makes me uneasy and I still feel like some tension. Yeah. Um, it's way better than it used to be, but I sure. think it's, I feel like it's okay to, you know, it should, it's good to have a little uneasiness around all of it cause it keeps me, it keeps me helps me remember, you know?
1: Yeah. It's like staying hungry. I mean, where, you know, like going on stage, like, like it was Ozzy that said, like, if the day I stop getting nervous going on stage, I'm, I i do not need to do this anymore. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, and you go into some, some pretty harsh details, uh, uh and, and being a gay woman mm-hmm. having to resort, resort to, uh, prostitution. Right. I mean, you talk about the moment you realized that, like, "Hey, I could spend you know, three, four minutes with yes. a guy yeah. and get enough for." I mean, right? You knew, you knew, you were you were, you were gay from an early age. Yeah, like I, you yeah. never there was had never a any moment, doubt. Like, there was never yeah. like boys, and then oh, girls. It yeah, was yeah. just girls. Yeah. So you never had an experience with a male until that. In no, that I part. had. You had, had oh okay. Yeah,
2: I was in a punk rock band and and um. You know, and I I wanted to you know be straight. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I tried it. Yeah, not that was sort of like no, nah, not for not me. Not for me. Um, but yeah, that that was sort of the example of how far will I go uh, to stay high? And yeah. you know that that really was, um, something that was, um, one of those things that I, you know, that when. I look back and then I remember the experience just trying to stay high through all of that um, was one of those things that I was like, I can't do this anymore, you know? And um, I reached out, uh, a friend reached out to me and said, um, I can help you get into rehab. And this was like the billionth time (laughs) Mm -hmm. trying. Yeah. And, it was through the musician's assistance program and mm-hmm. they'd taken so many chances on me before and they just said, you know what, Well, you know, one last time. Yeah. And at that point I had, it's the cliche, I lost everything. So I had nothing. I walked in there and went into, you know, did did the 30-day rehab, which is never, is not enough mm-hmm. for anybody who wants to, you know, start it wants to get clean and sober yeah. 30 days.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so I did the 30 days and then I went into sober living and I lived in a sober living house for six mm-hmm. months and it was just sort of le- letting go of all my past and, um, who I was like my ego around, um the drummer in whole. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and all. And, then you know doing small things like getting a regular job and like doing small things that Mm -hmm. are uh, give you gave me self-esteem yeah and then rebuilding from there
1: yeah it's it's just a fascinating ride I mean that's one of the some of the the details in the book were times where I just I caught myself just starting to kind of get emotional like and it it was more out of you know looking at it because you're reading a book you're picturing you know you're picturing the person and and uh you know i just felt for you you know like it was so honest the fact part of me was like i can't believe this is in the book like i can't believe this much is in here but then at the same time i was like how brave is it to put that out there you know and that's gonna help a lot of people a lot of people, you know. Anytime I have someone on the show that has a story similar to this with addiction and, mm-hmm. and just hardship, get so many emails saying, uh, "It took hearing so and so saying yeah. this, I just went into a facility," or, "That's what I needed to hear," which I then forward on, of course, to them right. and say, "Hey, look uh, at this," you know.
2: Yeah, that's
1: it's so important
2: that um. That's the thing that um, when you're in that spot where, you know, where I've been kicking and like lonely and scared, and then, you know, you hear somebody's story and it's yours too. Um, And so then you feel a little bit less alone. Mm -hmm. And I, I have, this is what I have to offer and I feel like I can't, um, in order for me to, it's another cliche, but in order for me to stay, um, you know, have a a connection to, to my higher power, I need to share my story Mm -hmm. and be of service. And, uh, you don't have to pay me for that. It's free. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And, um, when, when I talk about, that struggle, um, and I am i had to be honest about it. I couldn't, like, leave out certain parts. Yeah. And um, it's important to to put it all out there and to share it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to give a bunch of details either because people are going to read the book and pick from it what they will. Right. You know, and it's it's a brutally honest book, and I had appreciation after reading it for the honesty and then, you know, empathy at the same time, like, Thank you. This is a human being going through this struggle and, and, uh, you know, and now meeting you. I mean, you're a lovely person and and a great person and, you know, you've done so many cool things, you know, in your life that people dream about doing, you know, and, and uh, you've had both sides, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, uh, one of the other questions I had was knowing who you know, I mean, you, I mean, to someone on the street, picked up your cell phone and went through it, they'd be like, holy shit, what? Did those people reach out to you when you were struggling? Were they there for you? Um, was there, you know, people that that more than others that were, you know, reaching out, Patty? What's going on? I mean, and and uh, you know, I'm sure it wasn't cell phones weren't like a huge thing yeah. at the point, but yeah. were people like trying to find you and and reach out to you and wondering what was going on, or were they so busy with their?
2: Um, you know, there was a there was a, a I had my inner circle of friends. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and, um. By the time that I, you, you know, when I left the band and all that, I'd really burned so many bridges, you know. And, and okay. I wouldn't, you know, um, it, it, I, I could, I understand why no one was picking up their phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I have the, the, my friends in recovery that were, you know, clean and sober then that were watching me go through it and say, we're here to help but we can't yeah, stand can't enable by. You well, yeah. So, um, and those people mm-hmm. that said, can't be near you. Yeah. Th- those feelings from that, mm-hmm. for me, was one of the things that helped me get back into, you know, get clean, was yeah. remembering, oh my God, what did I do mm-hmm. to my relationships? Yeah. And right away, I... I like hearing from newcomers that say, I've got 30 days, but my mom won't talk to me still, you know? And it's, well, she won't because you got to live your way back, yeah. you know? Yeah. And you got to prove, don't, don't hurry that stuff. Like mm-hmm. you got to prove that, you know, you're going to be clean this time. And you are, I believe you. Yeah. And, but no one else does. Sure. Right sure. So just, you know, hang in there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Man. So coming out of all this, I mean, the positive side of the you came back out of it. I mean that is a that's a crawl right there. I mean yeah. so many props to you for that. it's fantastic, you know, the ending to the story is is you know, you're happy, yeah, you have your partner, you have a child, yeah, your mom, yes. you know, you, we were talking before I we know. started, just I'm the a mom what is the what is some of the things that really resonate with you now that you're experiencing reality, where you don't have anything masking it? Is there little things in life that are just the world to you right now, like yeah. simple things, like yeah, the taste of something? Or yeah.
2: that happened, um, uh, like a couple years into recovery, mm-hmm. starting to you know be able to sleep a full night, and you know you get grateful for those things. And like for me, I I'm so grateful for my routine, the mm-hmm. time I get up in the morning, the first thing I do, and um, and the simplicity. I need, you know, I need to have... you know, like my bedtime's at this time. And, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and I, you know, and I like, uh, you know, just brunch, brushing out my poodle on uh-huh. Friday nights, you know, in front of the TV watching Antiques Roadshow. Yeah. You know. um, that stuff, you know, like. That's
1: fantastic. <laughs> That's wonderful. That is so wonderful. You know? And
2: it's even funnier because poodle sounds like a euphemism for something. Uh-huh. I'm talking about a dog. <laughs> Talking about a dog, people. Okay. No. Um,
1: <laughs> the erotic aspects of Antiques Roadshow. They get me going. The go. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Well, I want to wrap up here. I don't want to take yeah. much more of your time. I really appreciate you coming on the show. What advice do you have for people that are struggling, they are listening to this, Yeah. that are going through what you went through and are on their way out? Maybe they're going deeper. They may need to hear your voice say something to yeah. them.
2: Um, I know how you feel and, um, that you're not alone and that if, if you can reach out and talk to somebody and, and, you know, maybe try to, you know, get to a meeting, talk, you know, there, there's solutions. That's. I mean, it sounds, I always laugh about just when people would say things to me when I was in that space in my head, mm-hmm. and I just was like, really? Zip it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, like, just have faith that you're going to be okay. And um, I think it's crazy that when, you know, because when someone tells you, okay, this is going to save your life, just don't do this, it will save your life. It's the hardest thing to do, mm-hmm. um, and I know. And, um, but just try it one more time, just give it one more time. A, trying something different
1: mm-hmm. that's fantastic advice. I mean, I think, I think it's going to touch a lot of people. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked at how many people reach out with this kind of stuff. And, and just how many people are, you know, just listening in and catch, catch the podcast on whatever, or, you know, and it's just, it's such a good feeling to know when it helps, you know, and hopefully it does. And, yeah. and, uh, I applaud you for your, your, your resolve and, and just your, I mean, it's just a crazy story. I mean, you got to pick up the book hit so hard. It's, it'll seriously put you on your ass. I mean, it's, it's brutal
2: thanks but uh um, i mean yeah
1: it's appreciated yeah. you know the honesty and, and not thanks, fluffing yeah. it up and and uh so best of luck to you
2: appreciate it thank, thank you. you patty yeah
1: all right guys i hope you enjoyed my conversation with patty schemmel from hole uh it was a very deep conversation we went a lot of places some dark places some lighter places and i'm glad you guys stuck with me through that and uh i mean absolutely just a just an inspirational person and that book is called hit so hard. It's in stores. Now it is definitely worth checking out a big thanks to Patty for doing this interview in between two other interviews on the news and then a book signing at Powell's. I mean, just super gracious with her time, really appreciate that and all the professionalism behind, uh, all her team. So pick up the book hit so hard it's in stores. Now check out Patty online. She's on all the social media. Uh, if you have more, uh, more questions or anything else like that, feel free to email me at peerpleasurepod at gmail.com. If you just want to chat, whatever you need, uh, hit me up on there. Peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere podcasts are available. And we are glad to have you guys back another week. Really appreciate having you back. And as always, we'll see you on the radio.